Welcome to Leader Spotlight. On this podcast, we bring you the stories of leaders, their personal journeys, and put a spotlight on the inspiring things they are doing in their organizations. Hello, everyone. I'm Annette Klozowski, your host. I'm an executive coach, a speaker, and a peer advisory board leader. I'm a sports junkie, really all things health and fitness, and of course, a dog lover, as you all know. And I have the privilege of working alongside my co-host and producer, Annie Brown. Annie is a creative genius. Um, She goes down rabbit holes with me, so we have a lot of fun. Um, She's all things creative and clever, clever, so I just want to welcome everyone to another episode of Leader Spotlight. Today, we have Stacey McKibben, who will be joining us. She is CEO of her own consulting firm. She focuses on sales training and customer service professionals and leaders. She has pioneered the success of multiple companies. I think you're going to really love hearing from her. She also has a science background, which is going to be interesting on neuro-linguistic programming and hypnotherapy. She's worked with Fortune 500 companies all the way to startups. Um, I met Stacy through her podcast, Master Communicator Podcast, where she features CEOs and C-suite executives, and they share their advice. It's really very great. We're going to share that as a resource later. Um, Stacy and I became fast friends, and I'm really excited for everyone to hear her story. Annie, how are you doing? I'm doing good. And yeah, I was just about to say that we will uh, put that podcast interview on our resources page. So if you go to AnnetteKlazowski.com slash Leader Spotlight and click the resources button, that will be right there. Everyone can can listen in on both sides of the interview, which I think is pretty fun. Yeah, so I'm doing good. It's it's nice here in San Diego as it typically is. <laughs> yes, um, I know. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah, get my tiny little violin out. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's funny because I think uh, when you introduced me as this creative maven, I felt a little pressure to uh, share marketing tips uh, just to uh, prove uh, prove my <laughs> skills. Um, and so for the past couple episodes, I've been sharing a few marketing tips. So I wanted to share another one today that I thought would be helpful for folks. Um, and this is actually especially good for leaders or people in uh, C-suite positions because it's for Twitter. Um, and for Annette, we use Twitter um, as like a thought leadership piece, right? So like, and that's what I typically advise companies to do is not create their own um, company Twitter page, but instead have the CEO or whoever is the thought leader at that organization um, have a really uh, well uh, curated page where you can share tips um, and the other point of that, too, is it's great to interact and meet people on Twitter, probably more than any other um, social media platform, just because um, you can create a list uh, focused on specific people. And if you haven't done that yet, go ahead and do that. But the key to doing the list is that you can filter your feed according to that list. So if I want to interact with journalists or I want to interact with people that I see as potential partners, then you can filter your feed to just be the people you put on your partners list. And it makes it so that your feed isn't so full um, and that your time engaging is with the people you really want to engage with. So I found that to be super useful. So that's my tip of the day. Uh, I think as I stack these up, I will uh, someday meet uh, Annette's level of praise for me. So I'm excited to... uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> share this with you. Um, and then, of course, I want to uh, share a five-star review from our listeners. So this one's from Birdie Man. I don't think that's uh, his real name, but uh, this one's from Birdie Man. And he says, great listen. Annette does a great job interviewing very interesting leaders. Love it. And um, yeah, so that's, I, I like that one because we work hard at getting awesome people on the podcast like Stacy, and I'm so excited uh, to have her here. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a, a review or comment on our IG, or you can actually now listen to Leader Spotlight anywhere uh, you listen to podcasts. So we're everywhere. Uh, we'll pick a few uh, reviews to read on the air and give you a shout out. Yes, thank you for all the reviews and input. We love hearing what you want to hear. And so keep giving us feedback. We love that. Okay, now let's get on with our conversation with Stacy McKibben. Welcome, Stacy. It's so good to have you on the podcast today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Annette and Annie. I'm super pumped. By the way, also in San Diego, enjoying another 72 and sunny day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, you too. I'm in Oklahoma where it could be 72 and then snow later the day. So yeah, (laughs) you're in a part of the country where it's, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. Exactly. That's exactly it. So, well, they'll give me a good reason to come visit you guys. So I have friends now in in great places. How's that? (laughs) Always welcome. Well, I want to start, Stacey, there's so, I mean, your background's fascinating. I mean, obviously we've had several conversations now and have become fast friends, but I really want to start with kind of how did you get to where you are now? I think so many people will see somebody in a position or they've started a company, but what's really intriguing is how did you end up there? Because I didn't really start out saying, hey, I want to own my own company or I want to do things. It's it's doors open and you kind of stumble upon a passion or something. So kind of walk us through um, your story and how, how you got to where you are. Well, I really appreciate that because I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think, uh, you know, context helps a lot to really understand how an individual got to where they are. And um, I, I like to say that I, I was really blessed to kind of walk the school of hard knocks, if you will. Um, I, I was always a very good student growing up in, you know, high school and things like that, and even into college. Um, so school was, was always kind of easy for me. Um, but, but getting out there and really figuring out where I wanted to go and who I wanted to become, that was, I think that was the biggest part of my journey over the last 20 years was really trying to identify where I wanted to go and why, and why that was so important to me. Um, and so it kind of really got me started, you know, right out of college, I actually moved from, from St. Louis, Missouri. So I'm a, I'm a good Midwest girl at heart. You can take the girl out of the Midwest, but not the Midwest out of the girl. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) Um, and I, I moved all the way to San Diego and, you know, at that time I had no job. I had no place to live. I literally had $500. I packed up my, my car and I moved. Um, and I like to tease, you know, Shel Silverstein was right. The sidewalk does end. It's right there at the eight freeway. <laughs> you, <laughs> you end at the ocean and you turned around, you turn around and you go to hotel circle. And, and that's where I started. And I, you know, back in that day, I grabbed a newspaper and started looking for work. Um, and, and just kind of began going from there. I got really fortunate to, um, work at a book distributor, which at that time, we were the largest uh, book distributor in North America and Oprah was out doing her book 
um, her book by the month club. And so our business then was booming and I had a tremendous opportunity over the five years, essentially that I worked with that organization to help them implement an Oracle ERP system, help, the, help them implement a warehouse management system, you know, work with, with big companies like, you know, Costco and Sam's and Office Depot and really get the, the inner workings of, of what all that, um, that looked like to, you know, service those types of clients and really deliver, um, you know, products and services on a daily basis. I was managing around 250 um, retail uh, book uh, planogrammers. So people that would actually be out in stores and organizing, you know, our departments and things like that. So at a very, you know, young age, I got a chance to start um, working with that. And, um, and I loved the technology and I loved, you know, for the project management. So I actually parlayed that and, and went out um, and started my own consulting business um, not too too long thereafter. Um, actually, at first I skipped one important piece, which was I went uh, and after five years of working in corporate America, big business, I said, let's go try out this the small business place. So I went and ended up becoming the biz- director of business development for Groovy Like a Movie, um, a small video production company, and they were amazing. And so I got a chance to really try everything. I was um, you know, number three in the organization. I built entire, um, uh, created a deal with um, with Time Warner to get us ad buys and went out and sold advertising spots to re- restaurants and retails and created a, a co-op for these folks so they could afford advertising and be on the big TV and get their video production done. And so I had a ton of fun doing that. And that's really where I got bit by the entrepreneur bug. Um, and I went from there to actually start four of my own businesses. Um, and I actually had uh, the great privilege of actually joining two startups that we were, we were able to actually help grow towards their exit. The first one we grew, um, I had a tremendous opportunity to be early in the ground ground floor, round number 30 in the organization, and got a chance to be a part of the ride, growing them to well over uh, $36 million in about 18 months, um, growing them well over 150 employees. We were doing, I was, you know, uh, big in the project management, leveraging a lot of that technical skill. We were doing 150 projects a quarter. And this was, we were Facebook before Facebook was Facebook. This was in 2004, five and six. Um, we had basically identified where you could, you know, monetize mobile marketing um, via your handset um, when there was, you know, uh, when it was well before our time. Uh, the rumor has it that that company got an $800 million offer to which the CEO turned it down. And all of us that were working there at that time, we were all equity equity players. Most of us worked for no money for a long period of time until the company started earning revenue in order to earn that sort of evaluation. And so it was incredibly disappointing to hear that that might have been the reality. You know, many times to this day, even still, I've I've checked in to see if that that was actually true because I'll tell you that was a big piece of what fuels me today. You know, of recognizing how senior leadership in some cases can you know, their ego can get in the way, um, you know, too big, of, you know, they can become too big for their britches, sort of speak, you know, because this gentleman essentially wanted to be in the offer. So the $800 million offer wasn't enough. They wanted a billion dollars. And the rest of us got nothing out of that deal. So, you know, many of us lost many millions of dollars in that no, um, if that isn't, if the rumor is indeed true. Um, and that's really what fuels me today. You know, I went on to start uh, work for another startup. I was actually able to help them to to grow and sell. Got a six figure check, not my seven figure check, but it allowed me the opportunity to invest in um, a franchise. And so I bought a action coach business coaching franchise back in 2008, right at the start of the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. And I've been steadily building the business ever since. Um, and had the great fortune to. 
uh, being a man, G.A. Bartik, about four years ago, who has the best-selling book, Silver Bullet Selling, um, was working with big enterprise clients like Google, Hotels.com, YouTube, Expedia, Time Warner. And he brought me in to go speak around the globe for, for Google. So I became one of their most requested speakers over that time period, um, did a keynote for them last year and have, have been really enjoying kind of that, that ride um, over that time period. And, um, and we came together formally about two years ago and formed Concilio, uh, which is now a, um, a performance improvement company. And that's what we do. We help to improve the performance of teams by helping the way they communicate with each other, with themselves, and with your high-value prospects and clients. Um, so I'm out here every day. My vision is to eradicate miscommunication. You know, I believe that the way we communicate with each other dramatically changes lives. Um, and I see it over and over again. So I'm blessed. I just I just think, you know, my journey is, is fun and I've learned a ton and I have a, a lot of what not to do. <laughs> Don't we all? Well, I love and I love hearing your story because you, first of all, just having the courage to leave you know, kind of home roots and then just travel across the country to start up from nothing. I mean, that that tells a lot about you in the beginning, but then, you know, you go from, you know, probably safe job, book yep. distributor to, you know, big company to small company to startups where you're in the game, you really have skin in the game. Like you've really had such a wealth of experience and probably lots of highs, lots of lows um, I'm really, I really want to ask you too, because I know you have a heart for training and coaching middle management suite. And, and I love that you say the middle matters. Mm-hmm. So let, let's, I just want to ask a, a few questions about that. Um, yeah. I think, you know, leaders in organizations and I, I coach, you know, executives as well and, and really try to help them look at their direct reports and, and what, what do they need to do to help the direct reports, but I, d- I do think middle manners matters. So tell me why you think that's even more important today. Well, thank you so much for that opportunity. I think, because again, there's so much uh, out there right now for the frontline staff and there's so much out there for, for the you know senior leadership, but who is really supporting that, that middle management suite? Um, and I just think it's a, it's a real opportunity, especially right now when you've got so many people that um, are, are trying to figure out how do they continue to do business? What does the new normal look like? How do we continue to move forward? Um, And it's that middle management suite that's going to be there to coach and mentor and guide, um, help them to develop new skills and really encourage them, um, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally to be effective on the front lines. And that's why I think it's just so critical that we coach and develop that middle management team um, that single-handedly they can help you to improve your bottom line and your top line. Um, they can help to improve your morale or hurt it. Um, and they can certainly start to cultivate bench, bench strength for you to help you, you know, to really um, innovate and move you forward successfully into your strategic vision. So I think, you know, it's a missed opportunity for a lot of organizations. The gold is right there in the middle. <laughs> well, and so talk a little bit about, you know, if somebody has a company or is leading a team, what's the best way to just like walk into that? Is that coaching for that level? Is it a series of training? I mean, what is that? If, if I say I'm going to pay attention to the middle, what is what would you say would be the next steps and how do you do that? Great question. So I think the biggest thing is first, you have to recognize that by and large, what we do is take our top performers off the front lines and we move them into middle management. 
And so what we what often happens then is we take somebody who was performing really well, often unconsciously competently, so they don't really know how they were doing what they were doing, but they show up every day, they do it really well. And now we've moved them in a position where ideally in our minds, what we want them to do is actually now teach five other people how to do that. In some cases, seven people, 10 people, right? Um, but we want them to teach other people how to be as effective as they were because we had one before and now we could have five. And so I think we need to recognize first and foremost, that really is what our expectation is, is that the goal is now we've promoted this person to be able to help these five to 10 other people perform as effectively as that other individual was. The other thing is, since we understand now clearly what our expectation is and what we're trying to accomplish, we need to go back and look at what skills does that individual have in order to achieve that goal. You know, oftentimes they'll have subject matter expertise about your product or service, so you can really leverage that. But you need to be mindful that what will often happen because they don't have the skill set on how to teach adult learners. In other words, what does instructional design look like? How do you actually take an adult and walk them through a process and break it down and teach them how to do it and then coach them individually to each of those each of those points that are necessary um, and then provide them ongoing support so that they can get better at it? Because we don't necessarily know how to do that as a middle manager, we often default to deal coaching. So we say, okay, when you get an opportunity, come and talk to me about that. And we coach them through it as if we would do it ourselves. Or worse, we do the watch me method here. I'll get on the phone and do it. Or here, come come shadow me for the day and watch me do it. Um, and it still doesn't articulate the steps in the process. So we first have to identify what our, what our expectations are that we're expecting this person to teach five to 10 other people, then what are the skill sets they'll need in order to do that effectively, the subject matter expertise, plus the skills that'll be necessary to execute on that. And then lastly, how do they go about coaching and developing individuals and adults? Um, it's essentially those three pivot points that you would be looking at breaking down to really develop your middle management suite. Yeah. And what do you say to the person who is in middle management? Because I hear this a lot. You know, they're trying to learn how to lead up or manage up. So Mm -hmm. like they get it and, you know, they see opportunity and then someone above them is in the way. So what would you tell somebody that is that middle management person and they're wanting to lead or manage up? Great question. This is another reason why I think the middle matters so much. They really have the toughest job. They have to, um, you know, uh, be able to speak articulately to to the people above them and manage up, as well as be able to to speak and and connect with the people that report to them. So they really do have to be very flexible. Um, and what I mean by that is they have to be flexible in their language to understand who they're speaking to at what time and what their audience is. The way you're going to influence up is not necessarily the way you would influence the team that reports directly to you. So I think one of the biggest things you have to look for in that middle management suite is you have to ask yourself, what's really important to the person that I'm reporting to and why do they find that valuable? Once I understand what their objectives are and how and what they find important or valuable, then I can get busy helping them to achieve those objectives. It's just like the people that report to you, they need to understand that that you have their back and that you're attempting to help them achieve their goals. And then they will be much more open to your ideas and your ability to influence them to maybe some tactics or strategies that you would like to modify that would help you to be more effective. But they first have to know that you understand clearly their objectives before that you can be influential to changing their opinions or direction. 
Yeah, I think that's hard. I think it's a hard one oh, too. Yeah, <laughs> easy, easily said. You know, it's yeah. definitely not not easily implemented. And, and that's something that again takes time and intent and repetition and commitment and, and constantly coming back to that um, as your goal. It's by no means a you know one and done. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It does become a lot about you know. I know we use culture as a word, but you know, culture is just the way things get done in an organization. It's that, it's just the, the setting and the environment. And so I really think a lot of what you talk about is really plays into culture. You know, you really have to have that culture that values that development all the way through really, but, you know, especially to the middle management suite. Absolutely. And when we do our, um, you know, essentially our middle management training, um, what we call our performance lab, or you can call it a leadership lab, um, it, it starts very much there with the vision of the organization. Where are you going? Sometimes the vision of the team, you know, we can even talk about, you know, the vision of the operations team or the vision of the, the sales team or the vision of whatever discipline, because I think it, it, it's important to talk to think about that um, as your business unit and all have alignment so that when you go back to your desks, you know what's most important and why um, and how to carry that forward. But then it's not just enough to know where you're going and why you have to then what's the what's the plan on how we're going to get there um, and then start working that plan more specifically and intentionally every single day. You know, um, I think managing, again, mid, the middle really needs to focus on what are the behaviors that are going to be necessary to produce the outcomes rather than running around with a clipboard with a bunch of KPIs on it. You know, understanding those numbers is important, but understanding what behavior drives those numbers is, is critical to your success in that role. Yeah. Well, and what, what's your philosophy? Because I have always questioned when people promote top performers. So you promote your best salesperson uh, (laughs) because it's such different skills, managing people, managing, you know, budgets and divisions. And so what, what do you say to somebody in a company? I mean, do you prefer they go out and find the management type skills and keep your top salespeople in place or, or whatever, you know, whatever area, what's your advice? Yeah, I think, you know, that's circumstantial. I mean, I would, the first thing I would do is I would come in and I would look at the team and I would find out, do you have anybody even on the team that's, that's appropriate for it? Because what you wouldn't want to do is overlook somebody that really desires that career involvement or that career path simply because, you know, you've seen them as a top producer. Um, I think, again, if you understand how to guide them through that process, you could certainly leverage their skill set and break it down into what are the steps that made them successful to be able to teach that to other people. I mean, that would be the, you know, uh, the gold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so really doing that. Um, but otherwise, I think, you know, you, you, you do hit the nail on the head that it is two very discreet individuals that, you know, um, comp- that are leaders or managers versus um, versus individual performers. Oftentimes, especially in a sales environment, individual performers, they, they like that. They, they excel because they like being independent. They like being on their own. They like being out there. You quote unquote saddle them with the responsibility of a team and having to answer questions and quote unquote babysit. Um, you can find your, you know, you can really drown somebody um, in, um, in, in work that's not their core, their core competency. So I think it's a look at your existing infrastructure. Do you have somebody that wants that, wants that development? Do you see that development for them? 
because um, again, there are steps to, to create those skills. I mean, you can teach somebody to be a coach. You absolutely can. Again, it's about, you know, recognizing um, that your job as a coach is to, again, coach to the behaviors that are going to create their outcomes. Um, and so you have to work on developing your skills in that area, but it is, it, that is developable. Um, I think it's harder to just train somebody to, to get the energy and excitement to go out and do sales. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well, and I think what organizations do, you know, they structure themselves in a hierarchy way. Yeah. And it's the natural human response to that is to measure our success by how high are we? Mm-hmm. As opposed to if you have a flat organization and you value people for the role they play, there's not this, I've got to move up. It's I've just, I have to be more successful in what I do. And so I think organizations just set things up to have us compete in ways that, you know, the only way to make somebody feel better that they're improving is give them a bit, what, a different title and move them up in the chart. So, you know, it's interesting if you can just take all that away. Well, yeah. And I mean, again, if you all, if you're only using that as your recognition system, you know, or, a, or, or a, a visual reward system, then yeah, then the only way they'll feel value is when you give more money or give a promotion. So there's got to yeah. be, you know, I think I always challenge, you know, leaders think about it through the love languages perspective, you know, the five love languages. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that book, but it yes. talks about how, right. People are, they all, you know, receive appreciation and love and, you know, caring in different ways. It, it can very well be that somebody on your team would just love some acts of service or, you know, some recognition, um, things like that. But again, I, to your point, we kind of steer our thought process to, well, I got to give a promotion or I need to give a raise in order for, for them to be recognized. And I think we need to be more, um, uh, more dynamic in that and more flexible in that. Cause I think people are, um, a little bit more complex than just give me money, give me title. Um, yeah. If, if, if they're in an environment that, that says these are all the ways with which we, we value our people. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have six generations in the workforce oh. and I, you know, and that's, and I always try to, you know, explain that as it's like six, six different languages almost that people yep. speak. And so I would love to hear your thoughts a little bit because, you know, that is really one of your areas is that, I love that. communication place. What, what, yeah. are, what are some tips or things, resources or mindsets or something you can do uh, or can give us to help just us with that issue in the workplace? Um, so, so the whole mindset around, around it? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, if you have to manage, let, let's go from it from the standpoint of if I'm managing people, if I'm the leader and I'm managing people that, you know, just generationally have different, like I'm a clock in, clock out um, mm-hmm. generation. I didn't grow up with a device. Um, yeah. I didn't always have technology. I don't think in those terms. So the younger people I work with um, help me a lot. I mean, they push and challenge me, which drives me crazy, but yet makes me better. You know, it's that, but what, what do you, what would you tell a leader that's struggling with some generational issue on their team? Great question. Um, so I think that the biggest thing, you know, excuse me, pulling from my neuro-linguistic programming background, um, is presupposition number one in NLP is respect for other people's view of the world. 
And if you start there, it dramatically changes how you feel about the other person. And the reason being is because people think that your feelings just happen to you and they don't actually just happen to you. They actually come from your thoughts. So your thoughts create your emotions, but your thoughts don't just come to you either. Your thoughts actually come from your belief system. So if in your belief system, you believe that millennials are lazy or, you know, you can't, you know, um, you can't count on them or they, they just want everything given to them. Or if you believe that, you know, the baby boomers, um, they just want to spend all their time talking in a meeting and they don't want to go get anything done and they value, you know, work by how long you're there at the office. Right. Um, or, or whatever, you know, the generational um, uh, stigma might be. Uh, then you'll forever see them through that lens. A confirmation bias is such that you will then see everything to confirm <clears throat> your belief, your bias. And so what I work with leaders on is to say, look, identify, have awareness around what your belief system is because your subconscious does 90% of your thinking. So the moment that belief system is registered, your thoughts then get created. You then feel related to those thoughts. Those feelings then compel your actions and those actions create your results, which might be your tone of voice, your body language, or even just your overall, you know, reaction or response to somebody that maybe you have a rub with. So you got to go all the way back up to the beginning. You want to change your results. You got to go all the way back up to the top and really challenge yourself. What do I believe to be true about this person, place, situation, et cetera? And how is that belief serving me? If it's not serving you, then I really challenge you to get in there and change your belief. And again, we can go into all the, you know, the mind stuff around, around that. Um, but, you know, it's been proven time and time again that change happens in a moment, but it typically takes us a long time to decide that's what we really want to do. <laughs> yeah. well, that's interesting. I love that. I love that distinction because I think you're right. I think it does happen in a moment. And I think it's the same, it's the same dynamic of, you know, we say we want to accomplish something and then we do nothing that moves us towards that, right? Exactly. We, yeah, it's that dynamic. Well, well and it goes back to to Canfield real quick, Jack Canfield, you know, him, Chicken Soup for the Soul. He's got a great, uh, great uh, quote about commitment. 99% is a bitch, 100% is a breeze. Meaning if you're even just a tiny bit like, well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm mostly in. Then you're going to have to reaffirm that commitment every single day. And yeah. tell me folks out there listening don't know this for those of us who have ever tried to, you know, maintain our diets or things like that. You know, if you're not 100% just like, yep, this is what I'm doing. And every day you open up that cabinet, you got to reaffirm, I'm on a diet today. You have to say no yep. to that, to that, to that, to that, and choose this other thing versus when you just decided, you open it up, you don't even see that stuff. You go right to the thing you want and need and you move on. Yeah. That's so. like the, um, there's a phrase that you can use. It says to perform is to act, period. Because a lot of times we're going to act when we get a little bit more rest because we're too tired or when things calm down or you know, we kind of put that added thing on and it's kind of the same thing. It's like, just decide and then you yep. do. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, what's one thing that you kind of have left that you really want to accomplish or what's something that um, is on your horizon? Yeah. Um, you know, I've, uh, right now we've been working at really trying to um, move all, everything online as much, as much as we can in terms of being self-guided. So from a professional perspective, I'm building a lot of online trainings. Everything that we've been doing facilitator-led will be moving into that, that space. So that's pretty exciting. I've been having a lot of fun with that. 
personally, I'm, I'm working to, I want to continue to develop my Spanish. I was, was fluent in Spanish there for a little while, but I'd love to be able to do my, my public speaking and my present, my presentations in another language. So oh, that's, wow. that's something for me personally that I'd like to continue to challenge myself to be able to do. I can certainly order a beer and get myself to the bathroom <laughs> and around town, but to like have a full on, you know, business conversation that would be stretching me beyond my, my comfort zone right now. So that's, that's a that's a personal goal of mine, and then um, and then just personally, you know, I've we've we've built the the organization such to where our, our, everybody on our team can live and work abroad as as much as they want to throughout the year. Because I, I truly believe that you got to go immerse yourself in other cultures to truly understand people. And if I want to be about eradicating miscommunication, I need to understand how humans work on all levels. And so that's really my vision too: is be able to take the family and go live in Europe for three months, you know, or go live in you know somewhere else. Uh, mm -hmm. in Latin America or other places. So that's also on our, on our horizon. We uh, did uh, a month, or excuse me, uh, yeah, a month last year at Lake of the Ozarks in St. Oh, Louis. So, yeah. so I, I'm getting closer. So we'll, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and why not? Right. I mean, you've got the technology, you can set things up. It's why wait? Um, I, I see people too that have all these great creative things they want to do and they wait too long and they lose their health or, you know, something happens. And so I love that. Mm -hmm. You're inspiring. Oh, so thank I love, you. I love that our paths have crossed. And um, I always end by asking people, it's that saying that show me your closest friends, mentors, or colleagues, and you can really see somebody's future. Mm -hmm. So I'm really intrigued to know who are your four? Who are those four people that really you think has helped mold you, you know, really helped you grow. And, and a lot of times it's the people that challenge us, right? But who are yeah. you? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll tell you, I probably broke, I probably broke your rule just a little bit with this. Cause as I, as I thought about it, I kind of had um, categories. So um, my first one though is, is my husband. I mean, he's been an amazing rock for me. We just celebrated 14 years together. Um, and he's always supported me no matter what he absolutely has taught me unconditional love, uh, commitment and patience. And, um, and I could never thank him enough for that. Um, my work husbands, that's been another, another area, you know, my, my current one, GA Bartik, he's just, he's a teddy bear. Um, and, um, but he's got so much energy and vision and he just loves people. And so he's just taught me so much about, you know, how you make people feel really matters. And I learn that from him every day. Uh, Jerry Rollins, Tom Deverell, Chuck Hunter, um, all men in my life that have been incredible, you know, business partners and, and mentors and leaders. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to all the grandpas out there. <laughs> like I personally had a really strong connection with mine. I loved my grandpa, you know, like we, he would take me on business trips with him. So I would, I would, you know, drive around. He was a, a, a tool salesman. So we would literally get in his car and we would drive to Hannibal, Missouri and, you know, Columbia, Missouri and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I just learned so much from him and, and so much so that like I, I tuned into Jim Rohn many years ago, mm -hmm. um, if you're familiar with him. And I, he's literally like my grandpa in my car. Like I just, I literally, and I just, I love him. And I just think oh, grandpas are, they're funny. They're insightful. I love when they get crotchety um, and they just tell you how it is. And, you know, they tell you to knock it off or you know, things like that. Um, so I've learned so much there. And then just, I got to give a shout out to the lady network because I've always been more on the male side. I definitely have my husband and I joke that I'm the man, he's the woman, he loves to shop for shoes. Um, <laughs> you know, like he's really funny. He comes out, you didn't even notice my shoes. I'm like, honey, I, 
I don't notice shoes. Um, but um, there's been some key women in my life that I've learned a ton from, you know, and it's interesting. Like one of them in particular, my aunt, my aunt Tracy, she's out, she's been a stay at home mom. And for many years, I, I looked down on that. And um, it wasn't until, you know, recently having, you know, two sons of my own that I've actually looked at her through different eyes. Um, and just seeing her incredible strength and power at what she did, raising four children and, and doing that, you know, from her home. And um, so I just, I take from that. Um, my sister, Sarah, she's just been amazing. And I got these two other women, Coco and Susan, who have just been this amazing uh, compass in my life as far as core values and who I want to be and, you know, not letting society um, influence how I feel about myself. Um, and my confidence level. So, you know, I just, I'm, I'm blessed girlfriend. Like there's just, I've got so much around me and I didn't even name my two kids. I learned from those, those nuts, you know, lug nuts every single day. Isn't that I mean, the truth? <laughs> they, they teach me so much about, about passion and, you know, or patience and slowing down and, you know, heck you want to learn communication skills, you know, try to explain explaining to a seven-year-old and a 12-year-old why nobody can go outside anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and I love, I love how you, you really touched on people can be present in your world and you can't hear what they're teaching you until your perspective changes. So I love that about your aunt because, you know, you don't know what you don't know at the time. and, And then you can look back and go, wow, you know, I have this great person I can learn from. I didn't value you know, for whatever reason, the I perspective. didn't know it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know yeah. it at the time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been great. And to even be able to pick up the phone, like 20 years later, and like, call my mom and say, I get it what it was like to be a single <laughs> mom. Now, thank you, you know, to, to call my aunt Tracy and say like, hey, sorry, you know, for always thinking that you you were, quote, unquote, just to stay at home mom, you know, like, what an idiot I was. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know, it's it's cool. I, you know, you wouldn't, you couldn't talk me into going back to being 21 for anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I love my yeah. age. I love my journey. Um, I'm, just, I'm blessed. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for choosing to be with us today and just sharing your story. And um, you are very inspirational. And I just encourage people to check out your podcast. And, um, you know, well, how else can they connect with you if they want to connect with you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. And it has been a, a pure joy to, to know you and get to know you and your business better. And um, it, to, to find me um, would be easiest probably on, on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm out there, Stacey McKibben, um, as well as conciliateam.com would be the two places to find us. Um, we are out on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So join the conversation. I, I mean, I really do. I love to hear what people think. And, you know, please feel free to tell me how this one sucked and how I could have done it better. I, you know, for me, I, I, I love the rub and I, you know, I love, I love always, you know, kind of hearing it all. So. And then you have the master communicator podcast, which they can find you on that way. And then yeah, we didn't even, even touch the surface. I mean, you've developed this great sales tool for training salespeople. So we are going to have to have you back on so you, and we can just dig into your brain about, sales and and what are some of the key things to really getting people to sell in this day and age amen to that exactly it's going to be critical even more so and i'd be happy to share it with you all right well thank you stacy it was great to have you today you too i look forward to the next time 
all, Annie here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leaders Spotlight. Make sure to visit our website, AnnetteKlazowski.com forward slash Leaders Spotlight, where you can find resources mentioned on this show, as well as past episodes. Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leaders Spotlight.